This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Lemoyne. GreenKRI.com. The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum. Old Age. Chapter One. THE MANTLE OF IMMORTALITY And now we come to a turning point in the career of Santa Claus, and it is my duty to relate the most remarkable that has happened since the world began or mankind was created. We have followed the life of Claus from the time he was found a helpless infant by the wood-nymph Nisil, and reared to manhood in the great forest of Berzee. And we know how he began to make toys for children, and how, with the assistance and good will of the immortals, he was able to distribute them to the little ones throughout the world. For many years he carried on this noble work, for the simple, hard-working life he led gave him perfect health and strength. And doubtless a man can live longer in the beautiful Laughing Valley, where there are no cares and everything is peaceful and merry, than in any other part of the world. But when many years had rolled away, Santa Claus grew old. The long beard of golden brown that once covered his cheeks and chin gradually became gray, and finally turned to pure white. His hair was white, too, and there were wrinkles at the corners of his eyes, which showed plainly when he laughed. He had never been a very tall man, and now he became fat and waddled, very much like a duck when he walked. But in spite of these things, he remained as lively as ever, and was just as jolly and gay, and his kind eyes sparkled as brightly as they did that first day when he came to the Laughing Valley. Yet a time is sure to come when every mortal who has grown old and lived his life is required to leave this world for another. So it is no wonder that, after Santa Claus had driven his reindeer on many and many a Christmas Eve, those staunch friends finally whispered among themselves that they had probably drawn his sledge for the last time. Then all the forest of Bursey became sad, and all the Laughing Valley was hushed, for every living thing that had known Claus had used to love him and to brighten at the sound of his footsteps or the notes of his merry whistle. No doubt the old man's strength was at last exhausted, for he made no more toys, but lay on his bed as in a dream. The nymph Nasile, she who had reared him and been his foster-mother, was still youthful and strong and beautiful, and it seemed to her but a short time since this aged, gray-bearded man had lain in her arms, and smiled on her with his innocent baby lips. In this is shown the difference between mortals and immortals. It was fortunate that the great Ak came to the forest at this time. Nasil sought him with troubled eyes, and told him of the fate that threatened their friend Claus. At once the master became grave, and he leaned upon his axe and stroked his grizzled beard thoughtfully for many minutes. Then, suddenly, he stood up straight, 
and poised his powerful head with firm resolve, and stretched out his great right arm, as if determined on doing some mighty deed. For a thought had come to him, so grand in its conception, that all the world might well bow before the master woodsman, and honour his name for ever. It is well known that when the great Ack once undertakes to do a thing, he never hesitates in an instant. Now he summoned his fleetest messengers, and sent them in a flash to many parts of the earth, and when they were gone, he turned to the anxious Nasil and comforted her, saying, Be of good heart, my child. Our friend still lives, and now run to your queen, and tell her that I have summoned a council of all the immortals of the world, to meet with me here in Berzee this night. If they obey and hearken unto my words, Claus will drive his reindeer for countless ages yet to come. At midnight there was a wondrous scene in the ancient forest of Berzee, where for the first time in many centuries the rulers of the immortals who inhabit the earth were gathered together. There was the queen of the water sprites, whose beautiful form was as clear as crystal, but continually dripped water on the bank of moss where she sat. And beside her was the king of the sleep fays, who carried a wand from the end of which a fine dust fell all around, so that no mortal could keep awake long enough to see him, as mortal eyes were sure to close in sleep as soon as the dust filled them. And next to him sat the gnome king, whose people inhabit all that region under the earth's surface, where they guard the precious metals and the jewel stones that lie buried in rock and ore. At his right hand stood the king of the sound imps, who had wings on his feet, for his people are swift to carry all sounds that are made. When they are busy they carry the sounds but short distances, for there are many of them but sometimes they speed with the sounds to places miles and miles away from where they are made. The king of the sound imps had an anxious and careworn face, for most people have no consideration for his imps, and especially the boys and girls make a great many unnecessary sounds which the imps are obliged to carry when they might be better employed. The next in the circle of immortals was the king of the wind demons, slender of frame, restless and uneasy at being confined to one place for even an hour. Once in a while he would leave his place and circle around the glade, and each time he did this the fairy queen was obliged to untangle the flowing locks of her golden hair and tuck them back of her pink ears. But she did not complain, for it was not often that the king of the wind demons came into the heart of the forest. After the fairy queen, whose home you know was in old Berzee, came the king of the light elves, with his two princes, Flash and Twilight, at his back. He never went anywhere without his princes, for they were so mischievous that he dared not let them wander alone. Prince Flash bore a lightning-bolt in his right hand, and a horn of gunpowder in his left, and his bright eyes roved constantly around, as if he longed to use his blinding flashes. Prince Twilight held a great snuffer in one hand, and a big black cloak in the other. And it is well known that unless Twilight is carefully watched, the snuffers or the cloak will throw everything into darkness. And darkness is the greatest enemy the King of the Light Elves has. 
In addition to the immortals I have named were the king of the Nooks, who had come from his home in the jungles of India, the king of the Rills, who lived among the gay flowers and luscious fruits of Valencia. Sweet Queen Zerline of the Wood-Nymphs completed the circle of immortals. But in the centre of the circle sat three others who possessed powers so great that all the kings and queens showed them reverence. These were Ak, the master woodsman of the world, who rules the forests and the orchards and the groves, and Kern, the master husbandman of the world, who rules the grain-fields and the meadows and the gardens, and Bo, the master mariner of the world, who rules the seas and all the craft that float thereon. And all other immortals are more or less subject to these three. When all had assembled, the master woodsman of the world stood up to address them, since he himself had summoned them to the council. Very clearly he told them the story of Claus, beginning at the time when, as a babe, he had been adopted a child of the forest, and telling of his noble and generous nature, and his lifelong labors to make children happy. And now, said Ak, when he had won the love of all the world, the spirit of death is hovering over him. Of all men who have inhabited the earth, none other so well deserves immortality. For such a life cannot be spared so long as there are children of mankind to miss him and to grieve over his loss. We immortals are the servants of the world, and to serve the world we were permitted in the beginning to exist. But what one of us is more worthy of immortality than this man Claus, who so sweetly ministers to the little children? He paused and glanced around the circle, to find every immortal listening to him eagerly and nodding approval. Finally, the king of the wind-demons, who had been whistling softly to himself, cried out, "'What is your desire, O Ak?' "'To bestow upon Claus the mantle of immortality,' said Ak boldly. That this demand was wholly unexpected was proved by the immortals springing to their feet and looking into each other's face with dismay, and then upon Ak with wonder for it was a grave matter, this parting with the mantle of immortality. The queen of the water-sprites spoke in her low, clear voice, and the word sounded like raindrops splashing upon a window-pane. "'In all the world there is but one mantle of immortality,' she said. The king of the sound-phase added, "'It has existed since the beginning, and no mortal has ever dared to claim it.' and the master mariner of the world arose and stretched his limbs, saying, Only by vote of every immortal can it be bestowed upon a mortal. I know all this, answered Ak quietly, but the mantle exists, and if it was created, as you say, in the beginning, it was because the supreme master knew that some day it would be required. Until now no mortal has deserved it. But who among you dares deny that the good clause deserves it? Will you not all vote to bestow it upon him? They were silent, still looking upon one another questioningly. 
"'Of what use is the mantle of immortality, unless it is worn?' demanded Ack. "'What will it profit any one of us to allow it to remain in its lonely shrine for all time to come?' "'Enough!' cried the Gnome King abruptly. "'We will vote on the matter, yes or no. For my part, I say yes.' "'And I,' said the Fairy Queen promptly, and Ack rewarded her with a smile." My people in Burzee tell me they have learned to love him. Therefore I vote to give Claus the mantle," said the King of the Rills. "'He is already a comrade of the Nooks,' announced the ancient King of that band. "'Let him have immortality.' "'Let him have it, let him have it,' sighed the King of the Wind Demons. "'Why not?' asked the King of the Sleep Fays. He never disturbs the slumbers my people allow humanity. Let the good claws be immortal. I do not object, said the king of the sound imps. Nor I, muttered the queen of the water sprites. If claws does not receive the mantle, it is clear none other can ever claim it, remarked the king of the light elves. So let us have done with the thing for all time. The wood nymphs were first to adopt him said Queen Zerline. Of course I shall vote to make him immortal. Ack now turned to the master husbandman of the world, who held up his right arm, and said, Yes! And the master mariner of the world did likewise, after which Ack, with sparkling eyes and smiling face, cried out, I thank you, fellow immortals. For all have voted yes, and so to our dear claws shall fall the one mantle of immortality that is in our power to bestow. Let us fetch it at once, said the Fay King. I'm in a hurry. They bowed assent, and instantly the forest glade was deserted. But in a place midway between the earth and the sky was suspended a gleaming crypt of gold and platinum a glow with soft lights shed from the facets of countless gems. Within a high dome hung the precious mantle of immortality, and each immortal placed a hand on the hem of the splendid robe, and said, as with one voice, We bestow this mantle upon Claus, who is called the patron saint of children. At this the mantle came away from its lofty crypt, and they carried it to the house in the Laughing Valley. The spirit of death was crouching very near to the bedside of Claus, and as the immortals approached she sprang up and motioned them back with an angry gesture, but when her eyes fell upon the mantle they bore she shrank away with a low moan of disappointment and quitted that house forever. Softly and silently the immortal band dropped upon Claus the precious mantle, and it closed about him and sank into the outlines of his body and disappearing from view. It became a part of his being, and neither mortal nor immortal might ever take it from him. Then the kings and queens who had wrought this deed dispersed to their various homes, and all were well contented that they had added another immortal to their band and Claus slept on, the red blood of everlasting life coursing swiftly through his veins, 
and on his brow was a tiny drop of water that had fallen from the ever-melting gown of the Queen of the Water Sprites, and over his lips hovered a tender kiss that had been left by the sweet nymph Nasil, for she had stolen in when the others were gone to gaze with rapture upon the immortal form of her foster son. End of chapter 1